uh, it's an honor and also a pleasure to know a fellow two fan and uh, I'm uh, uh, very glad that today you can be with us. Maybe uh, just tell us what's going on in your life right now and uh, what are you up to? Well, uh, where to start? Um, yeah, well, thanks for having me first off. That's uh, it's always good to, as you said, to fellow fans and you're also into Killing Joke and a couple of other bands that I really like as well. So uh, that's always, always good. So at the moment, I'm uh, dividing my time between a few things. I work uh, in the graphic design industry, uh, mainly as an image retoucher, so mostly Photoshop work. Um, so that's kind of my day-to-day -day bread and butter. Um, uh, I also do design work and stuff as well. Like so I basically work freelance full time. So run my own business and um, have a bunch of regular regular clients and then pick up work wherever else I can get it to. Um, and then the other thing I do mainly is write music, uh, write my own original music, which is mostly alternative metal stuff. Uh, I have a project called The Spiral Sequence. Um, so that's just me. Uh, I basically write and mix and, and record everything myself and uh, and put it out independently. Uh, and I also write for film and TV, which is something I'm sort of just getting into uh, over the last few years and, and, you know, basically refining my uh, set up and, and basically my approach to that is more of a long-term goal. But uh, I've started submitting pieces to um, publishers and film libraries, uh, film music libraries. Uh, yeah, so it keeps me pretty busy, those, those two main things. And then there's a bunch of other things I do as well. I, I run a, a site uh, which is under construction at the moment called Metal in the Blood, but we've got a couple of social media channels that are active on Instagram and Facebook, um, which is basically, as the name might suggest, uh, to do with metal music and heavy rock because uh, I worked as a freelance music journalist for about 10 years. And, um, yeah, just decided to get back into it and been reviewing shows and uh, trying to get out to gigs and always listening to new music. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much what keeps me busy most of the time, which, yeah, keeps me out of trouble. This is really awesome. And uh, I think uh, you have a really remarkable journey. <laughs> And uh, what, what did you start uh, uh, turning to art, to music, to writing? Could you tell us uh, your creative, entrepreneurial um, Always. Yeah, maybe start from where did you grow up to uh, when did you make your first recording? And also the publishing as well, where you have this awesome book about uh, doing recording on a Mac. So maybe uh, walk us through your entire career journey. Okay, all right. Uh, well, I started off with art was the first thing for sure. Um, I, I'd always drawn and, and painted as a kid and not really into it. So when I left school and all through high school, I um, really focused on art and also writing as well. I was always really good at English, just found it sort of came naturally. Um, just writing and whether it was creative writing or, you know, analytical stuff as well. Um, so those two areas were always things that I was interested in. Um, from an early age and, and just seemed to have a natural kind of aptitude for. So it was probably fairly easy decision to, to go into uh, graphic design and, and get into that in a more professional sort of capacity. I figured that was probably the most suitable way to, to earn a regular living sort of thing like that, that I could do long-term that I'd enjoy and sort of suit um, my abilities, I guess. So, and interests as well. And um, I still enjoy that. So that's, that's, yeah never regretted that decision um music came a bit later I, I always really liked music i was really, always really into it um again from a pretty early age you know I, I used to listen to stuff like uh kiss when i was like you know nine or ten years old when, when probably a lot of kids did back then uh, pretty popular um 
but also a lot of other music, a lot of rock music. I remember hearing the Sex Pistols, uh, and you know, I think I must have been what, seven or eight years old at the time, and absolutely loved it. Though I still remember it, and then I sort of rediscovered it a few years later as a teenager as well. And um, then Iron Maiden and and uh, Judas Priest and Metal came along as well, and so I was listening to you know Sex Pistols, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, The Clash, uh, a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, but I didn't actually start playing music until I was 21. I started learning bass guitar and uh, always really liked Guy Maiden and Steve Harris's bass playing uh, and also the writing lyrics as well. It was, it was, you know, kind of an overlap between the, the writing and music world. So that was always a, an interest right from the word go. Um, you know, I joined a band or formed a band um, and, you know, started writing songs. Um, writing with other people uh, that I'd always sort of, you know, come up with lyrics and sort of the basic idea for a song and bring it to the rest of the band and get them to help sort of flesh it out. And that kind of naturally evolved into eventually wanting to record uh, and mix everything myself to a more sort of professional level instead of paying um, studios to do it because it can be quite, you know, quite expensive to even just do an EP. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, I mean, that just there probably takes up a good... Uh, 20 or 30 years <laughs> um, and has kept me busy for quite a while. And uh, last year I wrote uh, an ebook about recording on a Mac. Uh, it's called Music on a Mac and it's a beginner's guide to setting up a home recording studio. Uh, and that was, again, just a natural progression from, um, you know, playing in bands, learning to record, learning to mix and basically setting up all the hardware and, and figuring out what you need to actually get going to to record your own music at home. Um, so I thought, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I had to figure out myself along the way and I thought it'd be good to have a, a book where basically you can just pick it up and if you read the whole book, it's about 100 odd pages, you'll know exactly what you need to start recording and also what's relevant to the type of music you're recording. Like if you're a singer-songwriter, and you only record, say, yourself singing and playing acoustic guitar, then, you, you know, you don't need as powerful a Mac as you do if you're doing, you know, really elaborate, you know, multi-track recordings with virtual instruments. And, you know, say you were doing like an orchestral mock-up or something like that, then you're going to need a much more powerful machine, you know, with different configuration than if you're just recording yourself singing and, you know, playing guitar um, or anything in between. So that's kind of how I got into that. And... Um, yeah, that'll be an ongoing project. I've, I've got a website set up with that called musiconamac.com um, where you can actually buy the ebook. And as I sort of add to it, I'll, I've added a resources section as well, which I'll add reviews of software and um, interesting gear that, that you know can be helpful to recording and mixing. Um, so, yeah, it's another ongoing project as well. It sounds like a really exciting project. And maybe uh, chat a little bit more about publishing a book such as uh, recording on a Mac. What was uh, your background in writing and how did the book deal come to be? Okay, uh, well, my background in writing was mainly from uh, working as a music journalist. Um, so I wrote for quite a few magazines, uh, sort of between 2000 and probably about 2015. Um, so I had a fair bit of experience with journalism and, and you know, formatting stuff and, and making sure that it all kind of logically flowed together. Um, and as far as the actual book deal, I, I ended up doing everything myself again. I kind of, it seems to be a bit of a recurring theme. I like to figure things out and, and um, I think the more you can learn about the process, you know, the more 
empowered you are and the more you can do yourself. Um, not to say that publishers and things don't have their place. Of course, obviously they do. Um, not everyone can do everything themselves. It's, it's certainly a, a long process. Uh, but because of my graphic design background as well, I was able to you know, write the content and format it um, and design the layout and everything as well. Um, so for me, it was a fairly easy choice to do it that way uh, just because it's stuff that I've done for years, so it wasn't really that difficult for me. Um, so, yeah, so I just thought why not, you know, put this book out and uh, get everything set up um, because it's something I'm quite interested in myself and will continue to be for the foreseeable future. I plan on recording and mixing, um, you know, pretty much for the rest of my life. So I'll uh, keep adding to that musiconmac.com site. As I go and uh, kick the, I'll update the ebook uh, with a new edition as you know Apple releases new Mac models, which they're releasing a new Mac Pro later this year. So I'll, I'll definitely up, update the ebook and um, refresh the the specs of the Macs that are in the book, uh, which will help people decide what they actually need to record. We are really intrigued by your writing and publishing process, and we think we have a lot to, to learn from you. Uh, could you maybe tell us uh, a bit more about the process as well as whether you work with an editor and uh, what did you do and what did you outsource? Uh, well, again, that was a fairly easy question to answer because I didn't outsource anything really. I did have it proofread by someone who's, who I've worked with before, um, but I basically yeah, I wrote the whole text of, of the book and laid it out kind of at the same time. Um, I used uh, Adobe InDesign for the layout because um, it's very easy to export digital formats from that. So you can ex export an ebook format or a PDF format very easily. So yeah, I basically did a bit of both as I went through it. Um, I probably did probably two or three drafts where I went through and just you know checked everything checked all the facts were correct, all the specs were correct, whenever I referenced models of, uh, of Mac or microphones or you know, monitors um, uh, and also software, recording software, um, all, the, all the elements of recording so they're, they're covered in the ebook. Um, yeah, so that was, that was pretty much it. Uh, it probably took about two months, solid work, to write it format it and release it, maybe three actually, probably closer to three months. Uh, and that was working on it pretty much every day. Um, you know, for sort of six to eight hours a day, I, I would say, apart from weekends where I'd sort of take a break to actually write some music as well. That's incredible. Any tips uh, for beginning artists or authors or writers? Um, probably just try and learn as much as you can, like figure out what you're actually interested in for a start. And if there is like a particular area that you're interested in, definitely concentrate on that first uh, and just learn as much as you can. You know, ask as many questions as you can. If you work with other people, um, I, I was fortunate early on in my career to work with a couple of people that were really, uh, really good at using the software in the design industry like Photoshop, um, <coughs> Illustrator, and back then even Quark Express was it's still around. Um, and yeah, so I, I learned a lot from other people uh, along the way and I don't think you know that that's invaluable experience because they'll know shortcuts that you might not be able to discover yourself even by looking at tutorials and things there's always you know the theoretical application of 
of uh, all these programs versus the actual practical way that they're used every day. And sometimes they can be a little different. So I think it's always good if you can talk to people who are experienced and uh, they can definitely help you out along the way. Um, and a lot of people are, are help, you know, very happy to do that, uh, to share their knowledge. So if they are, you know, definitely take advantage of that. Um, also now it's really, really easy to educate yourself using, you know, online tutorials. Like I still have a membership to Macro Video, which has a lot of videos on um, music software and plugins and all that sort of stuff. Plus also video, um, you know, stuff like After Effects, and um, also 3D programs. Uh, there's so many online tutorial sites and, you know, YouTube channels that, you know, it's very, very easy to, you know, update your skills or learn a new skill if you want to, I mean, all you got to do is, you know, open up an internet browser and away you go. That's fantastic. What we really love about you is that uh, you added your personality, your um, interest in odd metal music, and then you created something that really helps uh, the world in terms of teaching them how to record on a Mac. So any plans to uh, take this uh, to the next level and conduct a workshop as well? Not at this stage, uh, probably I've sort of switched back to writing more original music at the moment. Uh, so that's probably taking up most of my time just in the next few months. Uh, I really want to get some, some new music out. Um, but I'm certainly thinking down the track, I might do something like that. I might uh, also do like an online video course, uh, sort of demonstrating some of the concepts in the, in the book. And um, again, you know, sometimes it's easier to see and hear things at the same time uh, makes things a little easier to understand or a little more obvious for people. That's awesome. Um, in terms of uh, promoting your book and uh, raising awareness, uh, what are some of the uh, processes that you went through? And we understand you have a website as well, and you also do a lot of promotion uh, on social media. Uh, what are the uh, pros and cons of uh, doing promotion the DIY way? Uh, the pros is that you have a lot of control over how you represent it, which can be uh, can be a strength, but it also can take a little bit of figuring out how to present it in the best possible light. Um, and the most appropriate sort of targeting is is really important. Um, so I basically run some Facebook ads, and obviously got the website at, at musiconomac.com, um, and also it's available on Amazon, the Kindle store. So I've had a few sales through that. Um, but yeah, mostly it's targeting via probably social media advertising, uh, Facebook and Instagram. So they have really, really detailed um, targeting uh, options now for, for pretty much anything. So, you know, I'll, I'll target people that, are, um, you know, maybe using GarageBand, which is sort of an introductory program that comes with every Mac. So people are often familiar with that. And but then they're looking to expand and, you know, maybe they've dabbled with that, but they want to take it further and maybe start using Logic Pro or they just want to know more about how to use that actual program or, you know, they want to know which speakers to buy, which microphones to buy, that sort of thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll target people that are just starting out but maybe know a little bit. So it's, it can take a bit of fine-tuning as well. Like I'll do split testing of ads as well. Like sometimes I'll do, you know, three ads uh, and just change the image in each one and it's surprisingly like you know one might really outperform the other two so then obviously you would you know the next little sort of advertising budget that you have for, for the ad you would put it more into that ad that's outperforming the other two um and it's very easy to do you don't really need to spend a, a lot 
to uh, to start getting results. You know, just a couple of days, uh, two three days. You know, with a five or ten dollar budget a day, it can be enough for you to actually figure out what's working and what's not. So it can be a little bit of trial and error. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's no other easier way to reach the right people. Uh, I think um, other than social media advertising at the moment, it's definitely uh, an easy way to do it. That's awesome. Uh, you just gave us uh, more insights about uh, social media strategy. So maybe tell us uh, what would be your advice uh, to those uh, who are wondering whether what to post uh, in order to connect with the uh, audience and what are the types of things that uh, writers and authors should post and how much they should share of their personal life? Uh, I think the more you can share, the better, in, as long as it relates to the subject of your book. Um, you know, you don't necessarily need to distract people with, with, with everything that goes on in your life, but certainly, um, you know, posting anything that's relevant to the subject or ties into the subject of your book or expands on it uh, is definitely the way to go. But, you know, you find other things that people might be interested in too that are, if they're interested in recording on a Mac, you know, they're probably going to listen to a lot of music as well. So maybe putting a bit of your own personality into it, saying, you know, this is the sort of music I like, you know, maybe post comments about, you know, what you're into yourself and, uh, and that sort of thing can, you know, help start discussions or get people interested in, um, talking to one another. So uh, it is still early days for me too in terms of promoting the book. Um, so you know, some of this I'm still figuring out as I go along. But certainly I think with any kind of social media promotion, it seems that, you know, it, it, people can relate to you as a person and, and realise that, okay, it's, you know, you're not just you're trying to sell them a product. Um, you're actually trying to engage with them on a, a sort of more personal level. I think that definitely helps um, because, you know, every, every book, out there is written by a person it's it's you know it certainly helps people i think if they can get to know you a little bit and uh you know probably makes them a little more likely to check out what you're writing about too that's awesome so uh maybe share with us some of your current favorites uh, talk about your favorite books your favorite music or even uh, any other things that uh, you're indulging in or binge watching right now Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, well, music, I'm definitely very, very keen to hear the new Tool album, finally, after 13 years. Yeah, I haven't seen the uh, artwork. I, I saw just a static cover, and I did see a little animated clip on uh, Instagram today. Uh, so I think, you know, that's probably just the tip of the iceberg. I'm sure there's a lot more to it. Um, so I'll be interested to see when the pre-orders open. Uh, what the actual physical packaging is going to be because uh, I think Adam Jones, a guitarist, hinted that you know, there's a lot more to it. So, yeah, very keen to check that out. Um, in terms of other music, I've got a big fan of Paradise Lost, uh, another English band, sort of gothic metal band. Uh, I listen to them quite a lot. Killing Joke as well. That's been a, a favourite for quite a long time. Um, also, like sort of more ambient stuff like Dead Can Dance is really good. Uh, a lot of different instruments and a lot of different textures. Uh, so, yeah, I try and listen to... I'm always looking for new music as well. Like, I, I still listen to a lot of metal, um, but I like stuff that's, you know, kind of a hybrid form of, of you know, a couple of different things. Uh, keeps it, you know, a little more interesting. Probably why I like stuff like Tool, because, it's, it's you know, there's a lot of different sounds going on, a lot of different... The way they weave the instruments together, I find really interesting rather than sort of just layering the same riff over two guitars and bass, it'll be 
you know, the guitar's doing one thing, the bass is doing another, then the drums are filling it out and driving it and pulling it in different directions all the time. I find that really interesting from both a listening point of view and also a songwriting point of view and, and composition point of view. Um, apart from music, I, uh, I'm a bit of a, a video game fanatic at times. Like, I, that's probably uh, something I'll, you know, do uh, a couple of hours here and there. I don't play all the time, but um, again, I think a part of that is the the visual appeal of the games now is, is amazing. I mean, they're just so well executed and so immersive. Um, so I've been I've been playing God of War, which was really good. I thought that was great, and also The Witcher Three. So uh, that kind of ties into uh, Netflix are doing a series on that. So I'm very interested to see how that how that plays out. Uh, I just watched the ball is on Amazon video, which was also really good. Um, yeah, I could, I could probably keep going for hours about it. There's so many like excellent shows and so much content available now. It's, uh, it's hard to know uh, where to start and stop. It's certainly no reason to be bored now. That's awesome. Could, uh, could you share with us uh, what are the five things that you think a uh, uh, beginner uh, or a creative person needs to do when they start a creative business or a creative career, like the one uh, where you shared with us uh, your remarkable journey? Five things, okay. Um, well, first, yeah, figure out what, what it is that you want to do. Uh, second, figure out how you're going to get started because that's probably the hardest part. Um, you know, with what sort of training you might need to, to get or what you need to do and just number three would be you know is there any sort of equipment you'll need um creative fields can involve quite a lot of uh, you know technical gear and, and hardware uh, depending on the field of course um so i think it's good to educate yourself about that uh four i would say start making some plans about where what direction you want to head in in the future as well so you, you kind of always know what it is you're aiming for um and five would be just to, to be really open-minded and just always keep learning like always look for a either a different way or a better way or both of doing things um, and always be open to to trying you know a new idea particularly if you're working in like a group setting whether you're at work or whether you're in a band or anything like that i think if you can find other people that are you know into similar things uh, you can really elevate an idea by having different input. Like it's, it's good to work by yourself as well, but occasionally, you know, someone can take an idea that maybe you start with and add something to it that you would never have thought of um, and take it to a, you know, another level entirely. Um, so I think that can be something you should always remain open to. So yeah, I'd say figure out what you want to do, figure out how you're going to do it and get started uh, what kind of equipment you might need um, you know make some long-term plans so you always have a, a bit of a direction to heading and uh, yeah five just always be open to learning and, and and learning from other people that's awesome advice tell us how to get out of a creative funk uh, what to do when uh, they happen and why do you think it's okay uh, when you're uh, in a creative funk and then uh, you need to find ways to get out of it. Yeah, I think that's something that probably every creative person experiences. 
because um, you know it happens to everyone at some point. Um, sometimes the best thing to do is to just stop whatever it is you're doing and go and do something completely different. Um, whether that's you know going outside, go for a walk, um, catch up with someone you haven't seen for a while, uh, you know, go and read a book or go and play a game or uh, go listen to some music or, or do something that's not related to what you're doing. Or even just, you know, sit there and, you know, just let your mind kind of uh, gestate on, on ideas because sometimes there's so much going on, particularly in the modern world, there's so much input and so much uh, coming at us all the time that um, sometimes it's good to just step back and just think about nothing. And all of a sudden you'll find that these little ideas start bubbling up and sometimes, you know, we don't leave ourselves space for that. There's it's just constant stimulus all the time. Um, so I think that can be, you know, maybe going for a walk or something like that can be a, a good thing. Um, or, or just doing something that's not creative at all. So that, that part of your brain is just kind of switched off or just, a, or it has time to kind of process things in the background almost. It's almost like, you know, so running a little uh, software program in the background and sort of retrieving bits that, you know, maybe you've picked up along the way, but you haven't had time to, your mind hasn't had time to kind of assimilate it all or sort of put it into a new form. But giving yourself time and space to not actually work on anything will often help me come up with a new idea. And it usually only takes like a day or so and then I'll, I'll think of something that okay. it literally just seems to come out of the blue, but I don't think that's what actually happens. I think it actually is, you know, your subconscious probably just churning over it in the background while you're doing something else that's not related to that. So I think that's probably the, the easiest way to get out of a creative funk. That's great. That leads us to the next question. Uh, having a community of other creative business uh, entrepreneurs or creators who understand you is also uh, equally important. So especially when you're a uh, solopreneur, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, uh, working solo all the time can be lonely and sometimes even hard. So can you share five tips with our community listeners? How do you find your business BFF? Um, probably the first one would be uh, through through work and people that you've worked with in the past. Uh, you know, if you get along with people well and you you know you have a good rapport with them, it's always good to keep in touch and exchange ideas. Um, and then I think again, social media can be good. There's there's a lot of groups that uh, you can join. Um, I mean, there's so many on Facebook just alone, uh, and that can be. Yeah, that can be quite helpful too because you, you know you can meet new people. I mean, you know you, yourself and I. That's basically how we've uh, you know got in contact is through a Facebook group and seeing that we like the same sort of music and then also seeing that you're doing the podcast and you know before you know it, here we are talking. So stuff can come out of nowhere really. Like um, so, I think you've just got to make an effort to you know put yourself out there and reach out to connect with other people because I mean it's very easy to you know, to work by yourself. And if you don't make any attempt to go out and meet people, um, you know, it's not going to happen. I mean, occasionally people might reach out to you out of the blue. That's quite possible. But I think the more you can put yourself out there, the, the better. Uh, yeah, I suppose um, that would be probably a couple. So number three would be, you know, you could always go and attend like networking events uh, and meet people in person. That's probably something I'd don't do a lot of myself uh, just because I tend to be quite busy with, with everything at the moment. 
Um, but it's I have done it in the past and I, I would certainly consider doing it again. It's always good if you can meet people in person too. You just never know what's going to happen with that. Um, yeah, so four and five. Yeah, I'm a bit uh, lost for words. That's probably those, those first couple are probably the main things I would do. Um, again, it's probably just being proactive and, and just trying to find other people that are doing similar things to yourself and um, you know, maybe just send them a message or you know check out what they're doing. And if you if you like what they're doing, get in touch with them. And yeah, I think most creative people uh, are certainly open to being contacted, and particularly if they're if it's by someone who appreciates what they're doing. Um, so yeah, I just think make an effort to to talk to people, and even if it is just online, you know, at first. I mean, some people are introverted, and some are extroverted. Um, but you know, there's nothing wrong with saying saying hello to someone and uh, seeing what happens from there. We love it that you chat about making genuine connections with people online and offline and also not competing with each other and uh, overcoming that scarcity mindset. Can you share more ways on how we can support one another and create this community? Yeah, I, th I think um, as far as creative stuff goes, uh, to me, it's not competitive at all because uh, you know, everyone's so different and everyone does things so differently that there's room for everyone to do whatever it is they do. Um, and everyone's got a unique perspective, uh, you know, a different style, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's writing, um, you know, everyone does it differently, which is, which is cool. It's what keeps it interesting. Um, so I don't, I've never really seen music or art or anything as being a competitive thing. I mean, Sure, you can you can look at it that way, but I don't think that's certainly not why I do it. I, I do it for my own satisfaction, and I think a lot of creative people would be the same. So I don't I don't see other artists or musicians or anyone as as competition at all. I see them more as peers. And if I, you know, like I'm constantly looking at other people's artwork and music and um, writing. I mean, you know, one of the great things about that also is that you know you can, you'll see something that they've done in a way that you would never again you'd never think to do it that way yourself and it, it just helps you expand your own style and expand your own knowledge um so i think it's just a really healthy thing to to be interested in what other creative people are doing and and you know if you get a chance to talk to them and find out how they do it you know again you know you can learn a lot and you know exchange ideas with them as well you know that maybe you can show them something that they don't know um, so i think yeah just be be open to talking to other artists and other creatives, other musicians, because you just never know where it can lead. You spoke about all the good business habits, such as networking and connecting with people online, offline that you have. So uh, we all know that uh, having good habits leads to success. So we are excited if you could share uh, some more of your good habits. Uh, okay. Good habits. Uh, I, I do have some good habits. <laughs> There's probably, <laughs> probably, a few bad, probably a few bad ones as well. But um, now I can only really speak for myself, I suppose. But uh, sometimes it can be easy to get distracted when there's, there is so much content out there that you can consume. It's very easy to get sidetracked when, you know, there's literally like a whole world at your fingertips when you sort of log in online. There's so much that you can look at and so much you, you can absorbed from other people that um, that can be 
also a bit of a downside because you know you can you can spend a few hours before you even realize it looking at all this other stuff maybe you're looking for inspiration or maybe just you know procrastinating it could be could be one or the other um but yeah it can be a bit of a trap you know at some point you've got to think okay well if you're trying to get stuff done yourself you've really just got to close that off and, and just focus on what you're doing um so i try to keep as as valuable as i think social media and as good as it is it can also be very very distracting so i try not to post a lot of personal stuff on like say my personal facebook profile um i'll sort of try and use social media more for like the creative expression type stuff um and i don't tend to respond to a lot of comments on social media either just because again you know there's there's a lot of people that don't use it in a positive way which is unfortunate but so i just try and avoid all that it's just you know very very distracting um and there are actually apps that you can use for time management where you can sort of set uh, a time limit. One, one I've used in the past is called Freedom. So you can just punch in a time of like, say you just want to use the internet for one hour a day. So if you, if you know you're working on a project and you've really got some work done, you can just set that so that, you know, once that hour's elapsed, it'll actually lock you out of your internet connection. Uh, so you can't get distracted then. So that can be quite helpful. Um, I think just, Good habits, it's good to remind yourself, particularly if you're working on something that's taking a while, it's good to remind yourself that even if you're only working on it in small sections, you're still making progress and, and that discipline will eventually pay off. Because if you're writing a book or you're writing an album or any kind of creative project that involves a lot of time, it's very easy to, you kind of get excited at first, then you kind of get into it. And, you know, maintaining that enthusiasm and momentum can be quite difficult. So I think that's where discipline just has to come in and you just have to yeah, try and eliminate distractions and try and do as much as you can in a short period of time, like in at a kind of an, an intense level. So, you know, if you can put aside a week and just do one thing for a week and just really focus on it, that can be quite helpful. Um, but if you can't, then just try and do regular amounts of work. Uh, like every day or whether it's every couple of days, but try and get some sort of momentum build up because um, that can be really helpful to, to help you uh, finish projects. And that that's something I definitely have to remind myself of as well, particularly if I'm working on several different things at once or I've got several different ideas that I want to explore. You know, I've got to try and finish one or get it to a stage where it's going to, you know, be ready to release before I jump onto the next thing. And I'm sure a lot of other creative people have this problem too, where you know you have all these ideas about all these different things you want to do, but it can be very easy to do just small amounts of each one, and none of them get to fruition, which you know doesn't really help you or anyone else. So I think just trying to complete things is is something I've really focused on in the last 12 months. It's like a you know seeing things through to the point where they're finished and you can release them, put them out, and then move on to the next thing. I think our creative people really learn a lot from your time management tips. So on to the next question. Um, let's talk about art theft uh, and the dangers of stealing someone's uh, else's art and how to handle your work being copied. Can you share tips on reposting adequate and the importance of also differentiating your work? Yeah, that's something I haven't had a 
a massive problem with myself. Um, although I do remember years and years ago, I did uh, some drawings of Iron Maiden album covers when I was in, in school and uh, put up on the wall uh, in an exhibition. And someone actually stole them, which was both flattering and annoying. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but I haven't really had any direct experience with it myself since then. Um, and not online, but I do, yeah, if I'm working with a client that I haven't worked with before, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely watermark things in Photoshop, which is basically just putting a, you know, a, a layer over a file, like an image, where it basically says that it's a client proof or that it's not for distribution. Um, and, you know, it's, it's at a level where you can definitely see it and it's very difficult to get rid of, um, but it's not so distracting that you can't tell what the image is. So it, it's basically in there. And as far as, um, putting your stuff online, I mean, that can be tricky because, you know, you can, you can put a watermark or a signature or whatever on it, but obviously there's, you know, there's so many tools that people can use to, you know, just crop it out or, you know, clone it out or leave it. So I don't know if you can ever print it completely, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky area. I think reposting things on social media, um, you know, you should always ask permission from the original artist. If they say they're happy with it, I mean, maybe, you know, it's going to help them. Um, you know, with more people seeing their work, then that's great. But I, yeah, I wouldn't repost things without asking, uh, and I certainly wouldn't try and take credit for any artist's work. That you know, if you if you see an artist's work the, and repost it on on social media or use it in any way, shape, or form, you should definitely have the permission of the artist, um, and you know, they sh should know that it's being used. Uh, and then, obviously, if it's a commercial thing, that's a completely set of different set of rules apply. Um, you know, artists really do need to be compensated for their work. Um, you know, whether it's photographers, artists, musicians. Um, you know, a lot of it, unfortunately, comes down to the people. You know, using the artwork or, or music or whatever, and just you know, being honest about it and doing the right thing by the artist. Because it is fairly easy to, uh, you know, to to grab things. Uh, you know, the internet's a bit of a double-edged sword. It's great to get your stuff out there. It's also great for people who do want to take advantage of it and don't want to pay for things. Um, so that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a problem. I don't think you can stress about it too much. You've just got to do what you do and um, you know, try and promote it as effectively as you can yourself, so that if someone sees it um, being put out by someone else and they're trying to take credit for it, they're going to know that no, that's not the case. It is actually you know your work rather than someone else's that's trying to pass it off. Um, and I think people get found out pretty quickly if they try and do that. That's awesome. So uh, we chatted about why we think in-person connections are crucial in running a creative business. Can you share with us more details about your next events or live show and when is it happening? Okay, uh, I don't have any live shows scheduled at the moment because I basically write music by myself. Um, I don't actually play live at the moment. Now, that, that may change in the future. Um, got uh, a batch of new songs I'm working on at the moment with my musical project, The Spiral Sequence. Um, so I'm working on a song called War Without End at the moment, which is very, very close to being released. So I'll put that out as a single. Hopefully by the end of the year it'll be out uh, on Spotify and iTunes and all the regular regular avenues. Um, I've got a couple of others that are very, very close to being finished as well. There's another song called Permafrost, which is kind of a, an epic sort of gothic metal kind of 
flavoured piece, whereas uh, the, the first one more than that end is more of a heavy driving, uh, um, you know, intense kind of piece of music. Uh, and in between, I'm yeah submitting stuff to uh, music publishers and um, music libraries, trying to trying to get some uh, film and TV sync stuff going. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much keeping me busy, and then just looking for freelance work uh, as I'm a full-time freelancer with design and image retouching, Photoshop work and illustration. Uh, I'm always sort of looking for, you know, new clients or new work. Um, yeah. So the next, probably from now to the end of the year, that's, that'll be my focus. Just uh, getting some new songs out, uh, getting some more work happening. And yeah, then we'll figure it out from there. What would you like to be remembered in your job or your creative career legacy? Uh, I, I just think if uh, well to be remembered at all would be good. That'd be that'd be a pretty good start um, to create, you know, music and art and uh, writing that that people appreciate. Um, you know, say with the book, you know, if that helps people, it saves a bit of time and you know they can figure out what they need and get set up to record quickly. That I mean, that's a great thing if uh, if you can help people and make their lives easier. Um, a lot of the music and, and art kind of stuff is, is more about um, entertainment and uh, you know giving some you know giving something for people to focus on you know maybe distract them and give them a bit of escapism or just you know a bit of enjoyment so really yeah I, I guess it'd be nice to have a body of work that people have uh, recognized and appreciated and you know if it's helped a few people along the way as well that'd be great that's awesome So we are now at the last segment of this podcast. Uh, let's do a speed round Q and A. Uh, remember, uh, don't overthink your answers. All right, I hope you're ready. I could say anything. <laughs> <laughs> a band that you cannot live without. Iron Maiden. Favorite album by Tool. Lateralis. Which marketing campaign do you really love or admire right now? Ooh, that's a tough one, actually. I have to pass on that one because I don't, funnily enough, don't pay a lot of attention to other people's advertising. Your most admired musician? Steve Harris, Iron Maiden. Best musician you ever worked with? Ooh, a tough one. Uh, I'll say a guy named Damien Zilstra, who's a guitar player. He was in a band that uh, I worked with him for about five years and uh, yeah, very talented musician. Can you remember the first band or record that had an impact on you when you were a kid? It was probably Kiss Destroyer. I think that was the very first album that I actually bought with my own pocket money. Cardio or weights? Weights, although a little bit of cardio is good. Podcasts or vlogs? Podcast for me because I find I can listen to a podcast and do something else like work at the same time, and it, it kind of makes both more enjoyable. Coca Cola or lemonade? Ah, uh, Coca Cola for me. Yeah. And last question: What is your biggest passion in life? Uh, well, it'd have to be creativity. I think that's yeah. It's pretty much everything I do is tied into that. Awesome. That's uh, aligned with the theme of this show. 
So uh, we thank you again, and I really appreciate you for being on the show. And uh, James, you have a good week ahead. Thanks a lot, Wayne. I really appreciate uh, being on the podcast. It's been great having a chat with you and uh, look forward to chatting further with you in the future. See you very soon, yeah? Thank you so much. No worries, Wayne. Thanks, Wayne. Cheers.